Hello, my name's Rob Valentine, and welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston, uh, and we've got a slightly special episode today. Uh, with me, I have Connor. Hello. And I also have Rob Valentine. Hello. <laughs> and welcome to the podcast. Um, you're our first ever guest. Yeah. Thank you. Know, thanks so much for uh, inviting me on. It's a it's a great cast, and uh, yeah, it, it's nice to be talking to people. Uh, we all we have a great time doing this. I, I suspect that all of our other hosts are going to kill us because we have actually kept this a secret. We've not told any of them. Ooh, uh, corruptions. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so if there's if there's a load of abuse on Twitter, it's just all the other hosts sort of going, "You didn't invite me." Fine. Okay. As long as I feel it's directed at you, I'll be fine. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, it'll that, it'll that's be right, that's right, totally that's directed right. at me. It won't even go to Connor. Like nobody can hate Connor. It'll all be <laughs> me that gets it. No, I've um, got my hiding place all planned. so um yeah we're gonna uh have a little bit of a chat with rob over the course of the episode uh we're gonna throw a few questions at you if that's okay yeah sure sure and we shall just generally talk about doctor who as well yeah um so it's a bit difficult to put a spoiler warning in but we've decided that this week uh, the spoiler warning will be adventures by rob valentine um i suspect we might talk about a few of them so, um, I'm going to let Connor open up the questions. You go yeah. first. No, um, uh, just tell us a little bit about how you started working for Big Finish. Um, maybe when was the first time you'd heard of them and, and how did it come about that you got involved with them? Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, the first time I heard of them was, I think, when Sirens of Time came out back in... In 1999, I was in my second year of uni, and uh, someone slipped me the CD, and I played it on my portable CD player. And uh, yeah, so that that was kind of you know that that was my first exposure to Big Finish. But I, to be honest, I didn't it, that didn't I didn't become a, a regular listener. I became kind of a, a regular borrower of other people's Big Finishes, and uh, in, in in my own way, I still am really. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of my that was my introduction. So right right off the bat. Um, but then uh, I I started working with Big Finish because I, I I was speaking at a uh, uh, an event in Oxford on audio drama and I just said a few nice things about Big Finish if I recall, um, and Matt Fitton was in the audience so that and so then you know we got chatting after over a pint and then a couple of years later um, he he kind of said oh I'll I'll try and keep you in mind for something but um, 
it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's always difficult finding slots for people. But uh, a couple of years later, I won an award um, for a series I did called Red Moon, um, which beat Big Finish at the BBC Audio Drama Awards. And they, so, yeah, so they came second. Oh, no, no, it was good. It was good. If you want to get hired by someone, beat the beat them at something. Um, and so that worked. Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of, you know, so I, I, when I did my little acceptance speech, I, you know, I, was, I sort of said a few things. Uh, nice things about Atta Girl, if I recall, and the other and the other runner-up. And I hadn't I didn't realise this, but that got that got back to David Richardson from uh, Lou Jameson actually. Uh, so yeah, and then I got a, an email from Matt Fitton the very next day offering me something, which I, but I didn't know about any of that. I just thought Matt Fitton took two years to give me a job, but uh, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was, but, a, yeah, there was a bit more yeah. of a trail. Yeah, but it's all, it was all kind of quite tortuous, but that was kind of my kind of sideways slip into, yeah, doing stuff for Big Finish. And since then, I've been doing a lot of stuff for Big Finish. So, uh, yeah, they've kept me very busy the last couple of years. It's been really nice. Oh, that's absolutely excellent. Um, so uh, you wrote uh, Shadow with the Sun, which was the first lockdown recording. Uh, how did it feel to kind of be the test case for for that remote sort of um, format they took on? Well, I only found out that was the case on Twitter. I kind of... Because um, they, they don't tell you these things. I, I was kind of just thought, oh, it'll get released in 2024 at the end of series, whatever it is. Um, and then, obviously, lockdown happened because of, you know, the pandemic. And then I think I just put two and two together on Twitter. Oh, Tom Baker's recording something. That, um, and I, I don't know, there was some... Weird, anyway, they didn't tell me. Anyway, I, I guessed. And then when it got released as, kind of the, as, as the test case thing, I was, I was delighted. But uh, it, was, it was just utterly out of the blue. But um, yeah, it, it, it felt kind of appropriate, though, because I think uh, Shadow of the Sun is kind of... You know, there was a lot of you know COVID denial, and you know it was kind of it was inspired by the anti-vaxxer movement, funnily enough, in many ways. So it just seemed as it seemed kind of not just because it was the first recorded, but thematically it felt quite uh, quite a suitable release, I thought. But yeah, I, to be honest, I was just delighted. I was you know because I was a newbie to Big Finish, and uh, it meant I didn't have to wait four years to listen to it. You know, so that was that was just nice. And you could argue as well that actually it, uh, yeah, the timing was far better than it would have been had it come out, like you say, into 2024. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the funny thing, because sometimes you write stuff and you know it's going to be released quite soon and you write other stuff and you know it's going to be, you know, the other side of the decade before it reaches anyone. So, you know, you, you, you know stuff that's kind of very about now, you, you know, I kind of think... Yeah, will it have lost its relevance by twenty twenty eight or whatever? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's always as a writer, that kind of thing is on your mind actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your go, Connor. Um, just very quickly with regards to you know the the remote recording or not remote recording, sorry, sorry the, the the delay in recording some of them. Um, do you ever get the chance to go back and? tweak a little bit um if something say you've written now is not going to be recorded for maybe a year or two or do they get quite do they get recorded quite close to writing 
They can do. Um, it, to be honest, it, I think it just depends on uh, how the cards fall with any particular production. So uh, there was a recording quite recently I uh, listened in on, um, but there was a year between writing the first draft and writing the, the second draft was, was like written like a month before recording. But um, it was it was great because there was a whole year of uh, having written the script, not be, and not having received any notes or anything like that, but what happens in, in the meantime little extra thoughts occur to you and you know just it matures and percolates in the drawer so just sometimes being allowed just a really big gap uh and affords you some distance it's a, it's a luxury and it means you can kind of go back with uh with a fresh perspective on something but oftentimes actually um it can be it can be a bit it has been on occasion um a bit of a, a mad rush like we've got this actor you know ne then we we need scripts now, so you know uh, sometimes for a big finish, um, to to you know to catch that particular actor at whatever time, uh, you you know, and maybe maybe they won't ask all writers to do this, but if they know you can do it, you know they they might ask you to write like a one hour piece in a week, or something. Um, fortunately, I'm I'm a writer who can. It's not always that fun, and sometimes, but um, but sometimes it is, but. Um, yeah, so it really does depend. You can have loads of time or no time whatsoever. And uh, kind of the annoying thing is that's no, you know, sometimes the annoying thing is sometimes if you write something in a week and it turns out really well, um, and, and I just, I, you don't know how it happened. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it really does depend. But I, I kind of like the unpredictability of, uh, of each project. And I also like actually being asked to, look, you know, we need something soon. Can you pull it out your ass? And it's like, yeah, fine, okay, yeah, I could do that, you know, and then and then making it good. That's kind of that's kind of the fun. That's one of the challenges of it. There's there's no motivation like a deadline, is there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and also just, you know that kind of that that kind of right. Okay, um, I just I just I just have to rely on my craft and my experience at doing this and get it done that's it's just kind of in a weird way it's kind of technically satisfying um of course afterwards you kind of went oh if, I, if i'd had you know if i could have just you know finished it then bunged it in a drawer and then gone back to it or something but uh you know often you can do that but some sometimes you know it's just uh you know it's you know you, you're just uh yeah if, if, if you if you can do something like that it's fun to give it a bash now and again it's just not sustainable long term so you uh, you have the sort of notable job of writing the final ever monthly range release uh, with the end of the beginning. Oh yes, 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 that was yeah, that was you. Um, what was it like to be asked to to do that? To sort of you know, did you know it was going to be the last ever one when you wrote it? And if so, how did that feel? Was it a bit uh, daunting? Um, oh yeah. It it was great. It wasn't daunting, um, sim simply because you know um, being daunted isn't a useful state. So you just you just know to zap that stuff. So or, so in my in, so I just kind of thought, well no my I'm, my job isn't to finish the main range because that's that's too big. Um, my job was literally just to my job is to write a companion piece to the Sirens of Time, and that's a much smaller job. That's a yeah. way smaller task. 
Um, but yeah, so it was, it was actually really fun. Um, it was again, it was one of those ones they wanted quite quickly, and I, I was halfway th- through writing something else for Big Finish and had to kind of stop in the middle to write Shadow of uh, sorry to write um, the end of the beginning. Um, so yeah, I just had to kind of you know sit down, okay, and I re- I revisited Shadow of the Sun for the first time in would have been twenty years. Um, and then, yeah, so listen to Shadow... So listen, no, sorry. So listen to Sirens, Sirens of Time. Time. I keep saying Shadow of the Sun. Anyway, listen to Sirens of Time, uh, kind of pull it apart, figure out what it was, what it's about, why it was, and then kind of just work out what what the opposite, what its opposite number would be like, you know, the, the omega to its alpha. Uh, and I got told just, you know, kind of the list of requirements was it's going to be three doctors and three companions, Peter Davison and Turlow, uh, the Sixth Doctor and Constance Clark, and uh, the Eighth Doctor, and her name has gone from my mind completely. And Charlie. Charlie, thank you. Yes, Charlotte Pollard. Yes. So yeah. So the, no, no Seventh Doctor. It was just a, it was just a three Doctors and their companions. And then, so I, I just got to, I got to work on that and kind of worked out the treatment for that. And then we got the news that uh, oh, actually, Sylvester McCoy is available so can you write a four page cameo for him so the first thing i wrote was the very ending with uh with the seventh doctor um so that, and that's one that's one of those ones where it's like, okay fine okay i now i know i not only know how it's going to end but i'm stuck to this i'm wedded to this ending and now i have to figure out how to get there but i just bit, the seventh doctor is my doctor and i love him so i, I wasn't going to give him anything that wasn't uh, climactic, really. So uh, yeah, so I wrote those four pages, and then several weeks later, um, kind of got down to the business of writing the rest of it. And that was that was the process. So I think it was it, it was um, I was too busy to be daunted because it was just a very specific task to get done with a with a fairly swift turnaround, if I recall. Fantastic stuff, and. Um... You've kind of answered our next question already. I'll put it to you anyway. Oh, yeah, what? Well, yeah, I'm curious, I'm curious. No, no, it was, did you receive a brief or did you have free range to develop it? All right, well, yeah, to be honest, that, that, those, using those characters was the brief. And then I just thought, well, with um, the Fifth Doctor and Turlow, uh, the Fifth Doctor I kind of associate with, and I don't really know why, just kind of Edwardian stuff. And I'm a big Lawrence of Arabia fan. There is something of Lawrence about him, so I kind of thought I'll set something, but just before World War One in Mesopotamia, and also because in Sirens of Time they've got the U-boat sequence, so they've got that kind of World War One thing. So I'll do that um, with the with the Sixth Doctor. I kind of thought I'll probably do something a bit space opera, um, and then with the Eighth Doctor, I kind of thought I'll. Do you know what? You know, because my my big association with Paul McGann as the Doctor was with Will and I, so. I will have the Eighth Doctor go to North London to meet a dissolute old mate of his who lives in a townhouse, and uh, yeah, and uh, so that yeah, and uh, set it in set it in 1999, the, uh, on the same day that the Sirens of Time was released, and uh, kind of just dip into you know that kind of that late 90s Cool Britannia thing. So the, the, the bad guy who's a vampire is sort of Damien Hurst, but not. So that was just, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And then with the last episode, you know, just throw them all together. And because I was, I was all, I'd already written the ending with the Seventh Doctor, um, I'd mildly handcuffed myself. But you do that anyway when you're writing anything. Um, 
and that yeah so just kind of bring them together for the ending but very very the, my other kind of part of the brief because the, the title was given to me by David Richardson he was very keen that it should be called the end of the beginning and uh, my other job really on the final episode was kind of because I don't I think people are over it now but there was a lot of kind of you know upset and sadness about the end of the main range so kind of the other big job really was at the end was kind of said well don't worry it's, it's not the end of Doctor Who a big finish it's just you know the, del the delivery system is being updated that's all so uh, kind of having especially the sixth doctor giving him the final line just to kind of promise that uh, you know the adventures are continuing and it's not uh, it's not over for any of them and that was kind of you know that was base that was the main part of the assignment really um, and it worked out excellently it was ace um connor do you want to ask the next one yeah sure um so in recent years we've had jonathan carley being the war doctor for big finish oh yes um, yeah. and i think you've been script editing the range isn't that right no, um, Matt Fitton has script edited the range, but he I script edited um, the very first story because um, he wanted me to, yeah, just kind of be like his gym buddy on it or something, you know, just to be, you know, be his second pair of eyes. Um, but I kind of that kind made me think, okay, well, he, I, it might be, I might get asked to write one later on down the line. But um, really, no, he just, um, uh, you know. I like I, I really like script editing for Matt and uh, he I think he likes script editing for me as well, and uh, so yeah he just asked me if I'd to you know take a look at it, um, uh, and that was and that was how that came about. Um, I didn't and then, and then and then little did I know that that would lead to me writing uh, the fourth set, which um, was one of the one of the most fun things I've uh, been up to earlier this year and uh, it's out in. December I think and I'm yeah I'm really looking forward to uh to hearing the finished thing because I got to sit in on the recordings of uh Louise Jameson directing it and Jonathan Carley in it and I I just think she she's an, um, a phenomenal director and Jonathan Carley is just a breathtaking actor I think he's utterly utterly brilliant uh so it was just really great to uh to to write for him um yeah, so I've, I've I've heard it being acted, but I haven't heard it, um, you know, mixed with the music and all the sound effects yet. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm dying to to be honest. Um, is there much of a, a difference between writing a single episode of something and then writing an entire box set like you have done with the War Doctor? Oh yeah, there's a there is a big difference simply in that um, if you're if you're writing just one part of a set, um, your your responsibility is to that episode. Although you know if you're if, you, if you've been asked to write the first episode of a set, then your responsibility is to your episode, but also to set up the series and all that kind of stuff. So you, you do have a duty of care to the stories that follow you, but um, you don't have any part in sculpting those. Um, but if, you, if you're writing a whole st multi-part story, then it's your story. So everything that happens in it is, uh, is not only is it up to you, but every single part is kind of not really a part alone it's all part of a bigger thing so um the set that's coming out in uh december he who fights with monsters is it's one story in three chapters basically it's not it's not it's not three stories with the war doctor it's it's one big story under that title um so 
kind of leading on from that, actually, I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about the six Doctor Mel and Hebe, um, who have they've become one of our favourite TARDIS teams, haven't they, Connor? Um, Definitely. So, oh, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Oh, we've absolutely loved those sets, and we've talked endlessly on this podcast about how much we enjoy them and how how they feel like a really sort of fresh uh, and original TARDIS team. Um, so, obviously, the latest set, Purity on Dream, was out, was it a couple of months ago? Was it August? Yes. It yeah, yeah, I was kind of surprised how early in the year it came out. Because, again, they don't tell you. So I was kind of, I, I was initially, I thought it would be coming out uh, in October, actually, which would have meant less of a wait until next May or whenever it is. But, uh, yeah, they, but both sets came out in fairly quick succession, I think. Um but yeah, I, I, and it yeah. may may does feel like an awfully long time away. Um, yeah, well, tough. With... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, we are we're very very invested in these characters and this team, uh, and we just wanted to ask, um, what's it like to sort of be involved with the development of a new companion, uh, in the form of Hebe in this case? Oh, it's it's great. I mean, to be honest. Um, uh... The, the the really fun thing is um getting to work with Jacqueline Rayner, um, who is just, you know, she's wonderful. And uh Hebe was you know, is in, you know, entirely her invention. Um she kinda she kinda proposed the character and uh then we kinda put our heads together and kind of, you know, part of the fun then for me was kind of just with Jack helping to okay, work out, okay, well, that's our new character. What's the dynamic? Uh, with uh, the Doctor and Mel, uh, what's the why do it? What's the point of this new team? Uh, and and, and uh, what can we do with them? And uh, yeah, how big a story can we tell with them? And then you know, and then you know, and how how long, you know, how long, how what what shape is the story? kind of suggesting itself to be and all that kind of stuff so yeah really it's it's huge fun because um i think um we were both very much of the same mind in that um there's you know the, the kind of two different things you can do you can just in, introduce a new character and then just give them all fun adventures or you can introduce a new character and specifically uh yeah does design one huge big saga that they're involved in um and we chose to do that route because it just felt like well we've got the space and we know we've got the time to tell a big old story um so yeah so that it, it, it it's, it's hugely fun um and uh yeah and then yeah so it really really i kind of think you know most of the credit it, uh, should be at uh, at uh, jacqueline rayner's door for that because uh, as producer and you know she's got you know got a very kind of hands-on creative relationship to it all and also you know she's the one who is um you know responsible for you know the casting of everyone and uh you know it was her idea to get ruth madeley um not necessarily thinking she possibly could and then she she did and uh yeah so when ruth said yes and we knew she was on board that kind of you know we kind of knew we'd won with the character then because uh that's kind of you know that that was the actor we you know that uh, we were hoping we'd get and we did so yeah does that answer the question I've kind of forgot what the question was but that's kind of you <laughs> no, know, absolutely that's my does. long that's my long <laughs> rambling answer to it um, um, no, I, I think that's uh, 
a pretty well answered question. Uh, over to you, Connor. So that was just with regards to Hebe, something I was a wee bit interested in was, um, well, you, you've answered part of it, but was, was Hebe written before Ruth was cast? And when Ruth was cast, did that feed back in any way into writing Hebe? That's a really good question. No, um, and, um, Hebe was written and then um, I think uh, Ruth made the, was on, she was at the top of the wish list to play her. Um, but um, but with, with, with kind of, you know, the kind of the, Kind of the healthy, I think, with just the healthily pessimistic assumption that well, well, we can ask the best we can do, or rather, you know, Jack can ask, um, you know, but uh, you don't necessarily expect your first choice to say yes, and uh, she did, but uh, yeah, and I don't think, I don't think that um, the casting fed back into the character initially. I'm, I'm, my memory is kind of really fuzzy now over what point. Uh, I think I think Ruth she might have been cast before I'd written Chronomancer maybe or 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 if not before I'd written anything else down the line and certainly before I'd scripted anything else down the line. Um, so no, I don't think it really affected the the character too much. It just just made me more nervous about um, how Hebe would be received. I think um, even just by you know on on paper by Ruth, but. Um, you know, but you know, I think we're very receptive to feedback. But um, you know, but uh, we didn't get any really. I think you know, Ruth was just happy with it and uh, you know, loves playing the character. Uh, so yeah, it just it just it it, it all turned out well um, for a couple of for a couple of warriors. Um, it's it's all it's all kind of turned out okay, I think. Uh, and we're hoping she'll be back in next year's set, but obviously after the cliffhanger. Well, who can That's say? The who can say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out. Um, so, slightly broad question here, really, uh, because you have worked on quite a lot now. Uh, what's your favourite Big Finish range to work on? Ooh, what's my favourite? It's um, a really good question. I must admit, um, while you know, I've, I've worked on other projects, you know, during the last couple of years or so, but. I've got to admit, you know, getting to write Doctor Who stuff for Big Finish has been a real, just a mental health godsend for me during the pandemic because I, I can kind of go off with the Doctor and whoever else in the TARDIS. Um, uh, I must admit, I, 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 I really love writing for the fourth Doctor because um, it's just, it always feels like a holiday writing for, for Tom Baker. And uh, whoever happens to be travelling with him, um, but um, yeah, writing for I like writing for everyone. I, I like I like I like every project I'm currently on, you know. And I kind of think actually, maybe the most honest answer is that I'm kind of yeah, whatever I'm working on at the moment is my favourite thing at the time. Um, and he, and some, but sometimes you know different projects are kind of antidotes for other ones. So you might write something quite heavy. And then you might write, and then the end, the cure for that might be writing something like um, uh, a classic Doctor's New Monsters one I wrote called The Tovolian Who Knew Too Much that came out not too long ago, and that was just um, that was just a, a, a nice big fun sunny thing to write. It was kind of you know, it's almost as good as actually going to Rome and having a proper holiday, getting to write something set in Rome. So. Uh, but yeah, I kind of think I, I like write the fourth Doctor is always fun to write for because he kind of ex exists on a slightly 
different mental plane to any other doctor. Well, that's Tom Baker, really. But you know, you kind of, you kind of, get, you get to enter that headspace, and it's quite liberating, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I can imagine just the I'm writing for Tom Baker. There's a bit of a factor there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's oh, it's it's wonderful, and also you kind of you know, it's it's fun to kind of kind of get into that kind of mind that mindset yourself and you know and get to kind of see the way see the universe the way he does for a bit you know it's uh yeah he's he's definitely more out there than any other doctor in his own way i think i think he's quite probably the most legitimately honestly um and without trying to be just the pottiest doctor and i think uh, he's just great he's just great fun are there any any ranges at Big Finish that you've not worked on yet that you'd like to get your hands on? You'd like to do something for? Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is that I've been very lucky. I've um, I've got to write on in some on some wonderful stuff, but uh, I, I I will say to anyone who listens at Big Finish, um, yeah, you know, um, you know, the Seventh Doctor's my Doctor, right? You know, and I I I really love the Seventh Doctor. Seventh Doctor is my Seventh Doctor and Ace, Ace and Seventh Doctor. You know, love them. They're wonderful. They're the best. Grew up with them. Seventh Doctor and Ace um, hasn't worked yet. Has not worked yet. But you know, I, I you know, I I, I often sign I sign off on a lot of Zoom conversations with just Seventh Doctor Ace. Yeah, anytime you like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, not hasn't hasn't yeah nothing's come of it yet but uh yeah i'm i'm still i'm still i'm still punching away though but you know we'll see we'll we'll start tweeting a few hints we'd love to see a rob valentine seventh <laughs> doctor and ace story that'd be excellent <laughs> yeah we can just you know, attach the uh yeah the joey staring out the window gif from friends and you know that's that would be that would be kind of that would suit my mood i think on that one but yeah if you would that would be great it might it might even work it might even work yeah, we'll we'll keep hinting <laughs> Not so subtly. Get a letter writing campaign in the vortex and the podcast going. Oh yeah, do it the old-fashioned way. Yes, I like yes. that. Yes, yeah. But no, but seriously, it. yeah, it would be good. It, yeah, it would be good to. I've, I've, you know, I've had the Seventh Doctor show up for like four pages and a thing, but um, doing something properly, kind of season twenty-six, you know, with the intention of bringing down the government is kind of you know that would be the pinnacle, I think. Yeah. Particularly tempting, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so, we've talked an awful lot about Doctor Who and Big Finish. Um, tell us about your not Doctor Who work, your not Big Finish work, even. Just uh, oh yeah, sure. Tell um, us about your other stuff. Well, what am I doing at the moment? Um, oh, at the moment, I've um, I can talk about it a li- just a very little bit because someone tweeted about it the other day. But um, I've written a. Th- um, Kind of the drama part of a docudrama that's coming out on Radio Three on Christmas Day, and I, th- I think that's all I can say about it at the moment. But okay. it's just a fun, a really fun project that's coming out on Christmas. Um, and other than that, uh, there's nothing particularly current. I don't think, or or, or nothing I can talk about yet. But um, the series Red Moon I did, which is an alternative history Cold War series. Um, it was it was on BBC Sounds for a while. And it got it was it was on Radio Four Extra for um, for a bit. I have a, I have a, it might be coming back round again. So um, if you're a Radio Four Extra listener and you fancy giving it a listen, just keep half an eye on the schedules because I've just yeah over the over the coming month or two and it it might just be coming back round again. But uh, we'll have to see. 
Um, other than that, my mind is temporarily a blank. Um, <laughs> um, I'm kind of, you know, my mind tends to be in whatever I happen to be working on at the time. Um, or what, what I haven't, you know, invoiced for yet. But, um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's other stuff. Oh, I'd, yeah. Um, there's nothing you, you can particularly hunt out at the moment. Um, uh, I did. Um, I, I adapted House Moving Castle for Radio 4 last year. And it might come around again on Radio 4. But uh, it's, currently, it's currently off the air. But um, I'm sure, you know, maybe if you would just happen to be on the tube of you or something, you might just happen to stumble across it. Not that I suggest you do, but, you know, such such things do get posted from time to time. If you fancied a bit of Welsh fantasy. I do think that actually Connor's itching to ask you about Hell's Moving Castle. So. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> um no, I was I I was I, I I remember seeing it um that you had you had you'd posted on Twitter about it um and I'd I'd never I'd, I'd heard of the film and I don't think I'd known it was a book actually um until I saw that you had adapted it for Radio Four um and I loved getting into that and that was the first version of it that I've ever you know been through I'd never seen the film never read the book. Um, and it was great just to, to, to spend, I think it was, was it an hour long or so, listening to and, and going through it. It was, it was fantastic. And I loved um, that it sort of starts in the fantastical world and then takes a departure into the real one for a wee bit as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you got to hear it. Oh, lovely. Um, the other big one that I had, I had a little bit of a look through your work um, or your non-Doctor Who work, and um, Little Women for Audible with Laura Dern. Um, what was that like? Oh, so, oh, yeah, that was that was great. Um, yes, yeah, that's um, that's a full cast adaptation of uh, Little Women by Louise May Olcott, and that you can get that on Audible. Um, well, that was great to do. That I went, they, um, I actually got, I actually went over to New York for that, and I recorded that in uh, their studios in their their head office in uh, New Jersey. Uh, so I was I was kind of living, I was staying in New York and commuting to New Jersey, and uh, yeah, that was amazing to work on. Um, I was just that was a really that's one of the happiest kind of uh, professional experiences I've ever had because uh, the cast were just lovely and you know I to my shame I didn't I'd seen I think the Winona Ryder film you know back in the early 90s but I'd never read the book and I've, I've read it since um, but uh, yeah that, that that's a really it's, I think it's about 12 hours long so it's um it's a it's a very faithful uh, long form uh, adaptation of Little Women, and uh, it's it's a good, it's actually a good bit of Christmas listening, um, as, as is House Moving Castle actually, um, but yeah, that was one hour long um, from a very very chunky children's or young adult uh, fantasy novel. So uh, yeah, so the yeah Little Women is very very faithful to the novel, um, and House Moving Castle, while faithful, is also it's a very very ruthless adaptation. There's an awful an awful lot of stuff that had to go to uh, to fit it into a Radio Four time slot, but you know, that's the that's that in its way is also the fun of adaptation. I think we've got to all of the questions that we're going to throw at you. The oh, end excellent. of all yes. the questions we're going to throw at you. So, <laughs> no longer on the spots. Do not worry. Oh, the, 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 um, a damn good set. Yes. Uh, but I thought it'd be nice to just sort of, you know, we're all here because we all like Doctor Who, Big Finish, all that kind of thing. I thought it'd just be nice to chat Who for a little bit. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Let's let's just chill out and talk about some Doctor Who. Excellent. <laughs> um, 
So you uh, mentioned that you're a big sort of Sylvester and Sophie season 26 fan. Uh, was that kind of your era kind of growing up then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, I kind of, you know, was aware of Doctor Who when I was very little, but uh, I was a bit scared of Colin Baker and, uh, you know, and I think you know, the, the Peter Davis. I think I, I've got vague memories of, the, of uh, like, the five Doctors the first time round and, you know, certain jump scares from Terror of the Vervoids and stuff. So I think I, think I was watching Trial of a Time Lord, at, you know, kind of age of five and, you know, being kind of intrigued yet scared by it but then when um when sylvester mccoy came along suddenly you know as a seven-year-old you know like time and the rani is pitched straight at you uh yeah so yeah so and then you know so i watched time the rani and then paradise pat towers came around and i thought the cleaners were just the best thing ever and uh, yeah so then you know so that yeah so the seventh doctor was my doctor and then you know Ace rocks up, and then you're on to Remembrance of the Daleks, and it's it's just pretty awesome, mostly um, from from there from there on through. <laughs> uh, yes, I was you know I was I used to you know I'd watch it religiously on you know Wednesday seven forty five p.m. and uh, then it blooming well stopped in nineteen eighty nine and uh, yeah and, just you know, uh, just as it was getting good again. Yes. Exactly. Well. Yeah, but no, it's it's a it's a it is just honestly just a really good hero and just objectively with some of the best as good as Doctor Who ever got, you know, for some of those stories, you know, some of them, you know, I mean, you, you, you know, watch a bit charitably, but some of them are just you know they're honest to God, straight up brilliant. I think I think one of my favourite things about Doctor Who is that. Um, I was going to say about the seven doctors here, but it's probably more about Doctor Who as a whole. Is how neatly survival lines up with Rose, just in terms of how it looks, and you know, it's it, Doctor Who on a housing estate. It goes away and it comes back, and it's, it, you know, it's quite a natural fit. The two, the two ends. You know, oh yeah, the yeah, and the start yeah, of the and, new. and and totally concerned with the real world. You know, of you know contemporary England. It's uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it it really does, and and. Uh, to me, I, th- I feel like the the more time now, the the greater the distance between now and Rose, um, the the more survival and Rose, you know, seem like kind of bedfellows in a way, more than they did at the time. It's funny, but it's it's yeah, I I agree completely. And um, it, I found it really. In- I was in that funny generation that was born in between classic Who ending and new. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I'd, I was very, very familiar with Doctor Who by that time. I was sort of quarter ton UK gold when I was about six. It was Attack of the Cybermen, and that's it. I was in. Um, and I have to admit that I, at the time Rose came out, would never have thought, oh, yeah, it's like survival. But, yeah, you're absolutely right, sort of looking back at it. They really do bookend. They're really playing with some similar themes. And survival is a very... I suppose adult story for classic who it's by today's standards no probably not but I think that looking at survival there are there are just little bits in there where you think yeah this this series could have gone on and could actually have gone maybe not as far as the new adventures but it could have sort of pitched itself more towards an adult audience yeah and just you know it it, it was 
it, it's, it was concerned for the first time in a long time about, you know, that's, that's what another reason, like the, the McCoy era, it's how political it is. You know, it's, it's switched on and awake and it's, it's looking out the window at the world. Um, but I didn't, after Doctor Who was cancelled, um, I do remember Dark Season, it, uh, the Rusty Davis series, yeah, yeah. turning up on children's TV and that feeling like, that, that even at the time that felt like that was kind of um, it was kind of filling in its way that the kind of the Doctor Who shaped gap that uh, that had been left, but yeah, it it it, it, it there really isn't that much of a leap, it you know between between Rose and Survival, um, and the, the, the you know in, t- in terms of the concerns and the, the setting and the and the characterizations and the types of character. And the fact it's set in a recognisable contemporary England, you know, know, Greater London. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I must admit, the whole what if, uh, you know, thing still kind of, you know, season 27 and and beyond and stuff, you know, it it haunts me still, really, that lack. (laughs) What we could have got. Yeah. Yeah. It'll always be one of the big questions. What would 90s Who have looked like? And what direction would it have gone in? Yeah, um, I, I kind of I think actually it would have just been more more of the same, except just, you know, the special effects by about 92, 93, 90, you know, would have started to... Uh, there'd been, been a mild upward curve, you know. It's kind of like if you, you know, when you watch, you know, the... Uh, the production values on Red Dwarf develop. I kind of think that's yeah. kind of probably the kind of the wheelhouse we might have been getting into. I think that would have been interesting. Doctor Who that looks like Red Dwarf Seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. Better, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it looks great. Sometimes it looks passable. Yeah, it's all part of the charm. All part of it the is. charm. Yeah. And that's it. I, I do find that with Doctor Who, you do a lot of the time, even with a lot of new Who, you do kind of have to take that step back and you have to go, yeah, I'm just going to ignore that effect that's not quite right because I'm I'm very, very invested here. And it's, I suppose it's the importance of a strong script, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And also I kind of think there is a generational... Uh, I think post probably post-Star Wars changed a lot of things, but I think... People, you know, audiences pre-Star Wars had a different relationship to special effects, and f- in some ways, I kind of think there was more a kind of um, a theatrical acceptance of bad, in inverted commas, you know, bad effects. You just accepted, well, you know, you can't have you know dinosaurs, you know, in London, you know, but you know, but we we know that, so we'll just we'll just accept it on its own terms and just go with it, you know. But you know, post Star Wars, that I think that changed for spaceships, and then post Jurassic Park, that changed for, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rexes, everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I kind of think, yeah, one's relationship to special to special effects is a personal thing, but it might also be kind of a generational thing as well. I don't know. But, I, can, uh, I can see Connor twitching at the the dinosaur criticism. <laughs> we uh, we talked about recently. Uh, we did an episode all about the third Doctor. <laughs> And uh, we, we learned that there was no arguing about Invasion of the Dinosaurs with Connor. It's it's an all-time classic. And oh, I love it. it. Oh, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, it's it's just um, they knew at the time, they, they, they knew they could never pull off 
whatever they were trying to pull. You know, they didn't have Ray Has- Harryhausen in his budget or anything. But um, but again, you just I think you just have to accept a production on its own terms and just throw yourself in. And uh, yeah, it's you know, Invasion. It's it's uh, yeah, it's the whole Pertwee era for me is just kind of you know. Okay, maybe not season seven, but you know, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a big it's a big cozy muggaholics really, you know. <laughs> so comfort who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for, to yeah. to a large extent, yeah. With season seven, less so, or it, it's it, or it's you know, it's a big muggaholics with a few nails in, but you know, it's, <laughs> you know. Oh, but such good nails. Oh yeah, yeah, damn good nails, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I always yeah. find it. Certainly with Doctor Who, because I think you always accept going in that you're watching, you know, 1970s or 1980s TV on a shoestring budget. But I always do find it quite hard to sort of criticise the special effects, and I think they usually end up being charming, maybe is the word, rather than, you know, people maybe write it off as rubbish. But you, you get in and you get behind it and you, you accept it for what it is, I think. Oh yeah, totally. I'm I'm not someone who requires things to be photorealistic. I mean, you know, you accept, you know, if you go to the theatre, you accept a painted backdrop as what it's 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 representational, you know, and uh, you know, I I I for one, I'm quite, I feel very capable of just accepting. Oh, it's this is meant to be, you know, it's the Loch Ness monster. Fine, okay, I'll I'll run with it, you know. Um, yeah, I I've, I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not someone whose ability to embrace something is shattered by bad special effects. Really, um, there might there might be a kind of a, a, a date cutoff point with that. I don't know, but you know, for, with classic Who, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's part of the charm, and it's you know, and it's kind of it's part of what makes it fun as well. You know, and I, I don't even mean not in an ironic way, not kind of you know knocking it, but just you know, it's part of the atmosphere somehow. And for every sort of shaky visual, there's a phenomenal visual as well. Um, I always cite Terror of the Zygons, the best example of this. The Scarrison, not amazing, uh, but the Zygons themselves look incredible. Oh, they're, they're, you know, no, they're yeah. wonderful. Yeah, they're absolutely wonderful. And um, I think the thing people forget when they talk about, oh, Doctor Who used to look rubbish or whatever, is that well, that's all TV. Look at I Claudius, one of the, the one of the greatest bits of television e- e- ever. You know, this is you know it's 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 the state. You know, this is what television was like then, children. You know, it's it's you know it's uh, <laughs> you have you have to. It's not just it's not Doctor Who in isolation. Doctor Who is a television program. You know, it's part of a you know a wider culture. You know, and uh, this is the way things looked. And in and of its type, you know, it can be massively high quality, gorgeous costumes, brilliant sets, you know, most of the time, you know, especially doing historicals and things like that. But, uh, I mean, season 18 is not one of my favourites. It's, it's, rather, it's a season I admire more than I like. But mm. by golly, it's a handsome, it's a really good-looking series. The, the care that has been put into the production on it is staggering. I think it's a real, you know, it's uh, it looks expensive, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, um, and that's particularly what they were going for at that time as well. And yeah, they pulled it off. They completely pulled it off. Um, I once read online, and I love this idea. I think I read it on Twitter. Somebody said that uh, we have sort of things like steampunk and cyberpunk. We need a late seventies BBC one, 
sort of Blake Seven and Doctor <laughs> Who kind of a punk. 1970s BBC punk with all the beige and the brown and the... That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, late 70s punk was just punk, really, wasn't it? Well, but... Really, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can It's like, yeah, I... I um, I'm, BBC I'm on... punk. Yeah, I'm on a uh, my, a big... Uh, sorry, a big... A Blake Seven... Big Seven. <laughs> I'm on a Blake Seven watch at the moment because I only ever, ever watched Blake Seven on UK Gold in, in some kind of weird, random, whatever happened to be on order. So I'm kind of... I'm on... Is it seasonal series? Anyway, number C. I'm on C... Yeah, series C. Um, I've slowed down. I I, re, I wrote a big, uh, big. Uh, yeah, the Terra Nostra one. Yeah, I wrote a. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a story of a villa um, last Christmas. Uh, so I kind of thought, I, you know, I'd better actually watch some of these properly. So I started. I very kind of uh, assiduously worked my way through, and I want to see, I'm, I've been on series C now for a long time because oh, oh, it's jump the shark. It's you know. It's, <laughs> I you know I I don't, I'm sure there are Blake uh, Blake Seven fans out there who were outraged, but oh, there have been some really terrible episodes by this point, um, considering how brilliantly it starts. Oh, there are, oh there are some stinkers, but uh, I will get through. I will get through to the end. It's just by by pop cultural osmosis, I know the end. So it's you know blog, you know. It's, it's it's impossible to go to, isn't it, without knowing yeah. where it goes, what happens. Yeah, but, I've kind of reached my eating my greens stage with it, you know, but I'll get, I'll, 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 I'll persevere. I'll persevere. <laughs> For what it's worth, Series C does have some of the strongest episodes Blake Seven ever produced, as well as some of the less strong. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. There's some stuff in there that I do absolutely love, um, but it's it's a wildly inconsistent season. Yeah, there are some really good ones I remember back in the day from UK Gold, which haven't turned up yet. So I, I know that I know that's the case. But um, yeah, um, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. I've very, very slowly been working my way through Blake Seven, mainly inspired by wanting to hear Big Finish's Blake Seven work, but feeling that that I should see the TV series before going into it. Um, I think I started Christmas twenty twenty ish, and I've. To my shame, I've still only made it about nine or ten episodes in. I haven't made it very far at all. Oh, it's, I was surprised how good it is. And um, there's no reset button. You know, everything has consequences. And, uh, you know, if, if, some, if someone does something, it remains done. Uh, it's, not, it's not like Star Trek, where it's, you know, a different adventure every week. Things happen. It's... it's uh, yeah, it, 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 there is a lot that's good about it. I do think, though, it actually could survive a remake. Absolutely. And it, it, I think that's been sort of in the pipeline for. stuck in the pipeline, should we say, for absolutely ages. But hopefully yeah. one day there'll be something. Yeah, I just kind of think it, would, it, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a remake for the fans. It would, I kind of think. Do it properly and actually, you know, so, the, so there wouldn't be any kind of serverland being fabulous or anything like that. I can just do it because the thing I think that's really great about it is that um, Avon is—he's um, coded as as a villain, but when you actually judge him by his actions and based on the world he lives in, I haven't been able to identify anything that actually makes him a bad guy. Blake, however, who's coded as a good guy. Um, 
his behaviour is actually kind of terrifying on occasion. The way he's the, his the way he's driven and what he's willing to do. So I kind of I kind of think you know, if you were going to do Blake Seven now, it's going to be it would be about that uh, that dichotomy between those characters, you know, and the kind of the the gap between their natures and their demeanours. And I kind of I think that's your series. Um, I think yeah, Blake can't just bugger off as well because I think that kind of damages the premise a bit. But anyway, this is a Blake Seven podcast now, by the way, guys. Just just <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I've been wanting to do a Blake Seven episode ever since we started, and ah, to, I think cool. there's I think it's about thirteen hosts to this, and one of them has said, "Oh, I'll do that with you," but I've never seen it and I've never heard anything finish. <laughs> Uh, but I'll, I will get it all done, and I will do it with you one day. So I'm kind of really, really glad that we have, by stealth, done that Blake 7 episode I've always wanted to do. Oh, nice. But actually, th- that sounds like a good person to do it with, someone who's coming to it utterly... For the first time. For totally, the first time, yeah. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, we are now Blake 7 podcast, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to push just Blake 7 for the next the next two months. The floodgates are open. <laughs> um, no, I, I can see there being a, a bit of a rebellion uh, to that. Um, well, I'm up for it. Yeah, we we can do a series one, a Blake Seven series one episode. I'd have to I'd have, at this stage. I think I'd have to watch it again to remind myself of what happens. <laughs> Very likely, I do keep threatening to do. Um, I don't know why I do this to myself. Keep threatening to try and do a all Blake Seven as in all TV and all Big Finish in chronological order. Um, sort of marathon. Oof. But <laughs> that's... You know what would happen? Big Finish would release a series that would just... Ru- you'd have to that's, start from the beginning problem. again. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to sort of... I'd have to sort of announce a cut-off point, like, right, well, all of this is released, I'm doing all of this, and anything else that comes out isn't included. Um... But there's there's an absolutely fantastic group on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, Facebook, sorry, uh, called Big Finish Listeners, and there are some people on there that put together a a complete chronological guide to all TV and Big Finish, both Blake Seven and Doctor Who, and I've been using them to put together little Doctor Who marathons for quite a while now. Oh, cool! But the Blake Seven one, it, I mean, it's a huge Excel document, and they update it every month. <laughs> It, the dedication that goes into it it's amazing it, I make a Doctor Who podcast and I like the dedication that goes into it it's nothing compared to that it's absolutely fantastic um, so yes I do keep using that um, so yeah it's on it's Big Finish Listeners on Facebook um, and every month I go back to this the new version of the spreadsheet and it becomes even more daunting because there are even more <laughs> things for me to listen to <laughs> It'd also be a very sort of uneven marathon. It's not like it'd be a TV then two audio, because a lot of big finishes. Blake Seven is in between the last two episodes of that third series. They've they've basically done three other series in between those episodes. So yeah, uh, that's um, there'd be a lot of watching and then a lot of listening, and then a lot of watching because it's series D, which is a complete TV era. 
something I find really exciting about Big Finish Blake 7 is they're starting, and I think it was just announced this week actually, they're starting to do print versions of the audiobooks. And it does give me some slight hope that eventually we might get like a Target novel version of Watchers or the other Doctor Who audio novels. Ooh. I was really hoping they'd do that with, um, I think it was Terror of the Master, the, the one that was in uh, Masterful. Um, I was really hoping we get a print version of that because it's, it's, it's shorter than the other. It's only about three hours long, so I think that would be quite nice. Not too heavy target-like length. So, yeah, put it to big finish, Rob. Tell them we'd like... <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll mention yeah. it. We'd, uh, like, yeah, we'd like books. I'll see if I can, yeah. I'll bring us up the next kind of producer Zoom coffee morning. Yes. <laughs> oh, they sound fantastic. Oh, this is a new thing we've started. It's, good, it's, a, it's a good idea because um, you can feel like you're kind of you, you're working in your own little cell or something, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's nice to be reminded that you know you're not the only one. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Does add a new dimension to the question, though. Which is better, the big finish lunch or the big finish coffee morning? Oh well, you know, it's 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 you know, the, I do miss the big finish lunches, but everything I, I I kind of you know I'm everything I do for big finish really these days, I I do. Sitting right here, where I'm at my laptop talking to you guys. Um, yeah, I haven't been back to the studio yet at all since. Uh, yeah, I think the last time I was in a recording studio was February twenty twenty. Like literally, literally um, I was doing. Yeah, I was doing post production on a, a thing for Audible. Uh, oh, something yeah called called Albion. It's an Arthurian adventure thing with. Uh, people in it um with people uh, in it i'm really i'm i'm really i'm really good at selling my stuff um uh, but yeah that was like you know the week the weekend before um uh before lockdown started yeah so since then it's all been remote and no no big finished lunches you know it's a, uh no no shooting the breeze in green rooms and stuff with actors which i miss as well but uh <laughs> but yeah, no, but yeah, I, I, over, yeah, over Zoom, I shall mention it to someone and uh, see if someone bites. And then if it happens, we'll be on Twitter giving it the whole, we did that, that was yeah. our fault. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasters perks, that is, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it has been absolutely fantastic having you on, Rob. We really do appreciate you taking your time to join us. Um, we, we've had hey, a lot of fun. Yeah. Hope you no, have as well. Thanks very much for asking me. That's been wicked, guys. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, thank you so much. It's, feel free to join us again. We'll we'll definitely ask. Oh, we'll, cheers. I'm sure I mean, we can yeah, come up yeah, with some yeah, more yeah. questions. I'll do. You know, if you, if you knew that big finish thing, yeah, drag me on. I'll I'll I'll, I'll be up to date by then. So yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. And I'll be packing opinions. Yes. So yes. Excellent. <laughs> okay, well we shall leave it there then. So I shall say thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you very much. And I shall say thank you very, very much and goodbye to Rob Valentine. Yay. Thanks guys, very much indeed. And we shall be back in the not too distant future with more spodcasting. Goodbye now. Bye.